Welcome to Greensburg Baptist Church. We welcome our church family and also our visiting friends. Thank you for coming to worship with us. To find out more about Greensburg Baptist Church, our upcoming events, and other church activities, visit our website anytime at greensburgbaptist.com. Amen. Once again, thank you for being here. We are going to be concluding the Colossians sermon series this morning, and I'm going to be asking you a question this morning. Is your faith genuine? Is your faith genuine? We're going to be in Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 18. And if you have been here for the other uh, sermons in this particular series, you know that... um The screen seems to be frozen. There we go. All right, you know that I have reminded you of this, I believe, in every one of the sermons. But for the last time, I want to remind you of it one more time. Because it's important any time that we read the book of Colossians, and part of these background uh, pieces of information are going to be crucial to the understanding of this morning's sermon. First of all, this was possibly the first of Paul's prison epistles. The church at Colossae was not founded by Paul, nor was it even visited by Paul, but it was likely founded instead by a man named Epaphras. Now, if you were here the last time I preached on Sunday morning, you know, I mentioned that man's name this morning, and I said, if you don't know much about him, you will be hearing about him in the last sermon in this series. And I'm going to keep my word to you this morning. We're going to be hearing about him. This letter was written to encourage a group of believers who were growing spiritually. And just as I asked you last time, are you growing spiritually? Are you personally growing spiritually? If not, why not? Why are you not growing spiritually? There is some reason if if you cannot say, yes, I am growing spiritually in my walk with the Lord. I also want to ask you a question. Who have you noticed? Who have you observed that is growing spiritually? And what are you doing to reach out and walk by those people and encourage them. And finally, this letter was written to warn a group of believers who were being confronted with false teaching which undermined the supremacy and the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. Now, just as false teaching was an issue when Paul wrote this letter, it was a, it was an issue then, it has been an issue since, and it is certainly an issue today. False teaching is very alive and well this morning. And just as Brother Blake and I often do, we encourage you, we challenge you, when you hear a sermon, compare it to the Bible to be certain that it is true. Do not take your responsibility lightly. So at this point, I want to ask you, if you are physically able to stand, would you stand with me, please, as we read God's Word together? If you've got your Bible with you, I encourage you to read along in your Bible. If you don't, I'm going to have it up on the screen for you. But God's Word says in Colossians 4, beginning with verse 2, Devote yourselves to prayer. Stay alert in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door to us for the Word, to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains, so that I may make it known as I should. Act wisely toward outsiders, making the most of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you should answer each person. Titius, our dearly loved brother, faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord, will tell you all the news about me. 
I have sent him to you for this very purpose, so that you may know how we are and so that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, a faithful and dearly loved brother who is one of you. They will tell you about everything here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, sends you greetings, as does Mark, Barnabas' cousin, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And so does Jesus, who is called Justice. These alone of the circumcised are my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, sends you greetings. He is always wrestling for you in his prayers so that you can stand mature and fully assured in everything God wills. For I testify about him that he works hard for you, for those in Laodicea and for those in Heropolis. Luke, the dearly loved physician, and Demas send you greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters in Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her home. After this letter has been read at your gathering, have it read also in the church of the Laodiceans and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea and tell Archippus, pay attention to the ministry you have received in the Lord so that you can accomplish it. I, Paul, am writing this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Would you pray with me, please? Father, thank you so much for the reading of your word. Father, I pray now that you will just simply hide me behind your cross. Lord, I pray that you will move me out of the way. Let them see you. And Father, I pray that you will just control the words that come out of my mouth this morning. There is so much in this text this morning, and there is no way that I can cover it all. Lord, I pray that I will cover the things that you want covered this morning. Lord, I pray that you will be glorified. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. All right, so as we begin this morning, I just want to tell you something that might seem sort of obvious, but knowing the truth about spirituality and service calls us to live lives of prayer, wisdom, and faithfulness. I want you to hear that one more time. Knowing the truth about spirituality calls us to live lives of prayer, wisdom, and faithfulness. It doesn't say that it's optional. It says that we are being called to live those lives. And I wonder, are we doing that this morning? Now, if you were here for the last message in this particular sermon series, you might remember that morning I only had one major point to the sermon. That is very not like me. So I'm going to go back this morning, and there are more than one main point uh, in this message. But the first one is that true believers, true believers should pray with diligence, they should pray with awareness, and they should pray with thanks. Let's look at verse 2. Paul is saying, devote yourselves to prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer. And I want to ask us a question this morning. How devoted are we really to prayer this morning? How serious are we about our prayer lives? Do we find ourselves praying throughout the day? Do we find ourselves praying just maybe when we first get up in the morning for a few seconds or maybe before we eat our food three times a day or maybe before we go to bed or Are we completely devoted to prayer? You know, about a year or so ago, I did a sermon series on the Lord's Prayer that was called, Lord Teaches to Pray. I don't think the situation is that we don't know how to pray. 
But sometimes I wonder if we actually do pray and if we pray seriously, if we pray with diligence. Also, it says we should pray with awareness. Do we stay alert in it? Do we stay alert when we pray? Or do we find our minds wandering? Do we find our minds wandering to any thought other than what we are actually praying about? Are we in an attitude of prayer when we pray? And then with thanksgiving, with thanks. I wonder this morning, if someone were to hear my prayers that, I do, that I'm not praying in public, my prayers when I'm just praying at home or somewhere else. If someone were to hear your prayers, what do they sound like? Does it sound more like a grocery list? Or do we truly give the Lord thanks for those prayers that He's answered? Because if we pay attention, He has truly answered a lot of prayers. And we need to thank Him for that. We need to thank Him for that. So true believers should pray with diligence, awareness, and thanks. The second main point this morning is true believers should share the gospel. They should share the gospel with clarity. They should share it with wisdom. And they should share it with grace. I've got to ask you this morning, who is the last time, when's the last time that you shared the gospel with someone? How recently has it been? And sometimes people hide behind, I'm scared. It makes me uncomfortable. But folks, I'm going to tell you, we've got to get out of that. We've got to come out of our comfort zones and realize that there are a lot of people who are lost and they are on their way straight to hell this morning. Hell is going to be uncomfortable. And I can't imagine that possibly somebody would be in hell because I was just so uncomfortable about sharing my faith. When's the last time we've shared our faith? True believers should share the gospel with clarity, wisdom, and grace. Paul begins by saying here, at the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door to us for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Remember, Paul wrote this from prison. Paul wrote it from prison. I want to take you to Philippians chapter 1 for a minute, verse 12, where Paul tells us, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel. Now probably Paul did not set out to go to prison. That probably was not on the top of his to-do list, was to go to prison. Nor is it probably on the top of your to-do list. But Paul found himself in prison. Paul could have become bitter. Paul could have never opened his mouth, but he chose not to. He chose to tell people about Jesus Christ right where he was. I wonder, is that what we do? Is that what we do? When we find ourselves in a situation that is far less than desirable, do we make the most of that situation and continue to tell people about Jesus Christ? Or is it, woe is me? Woe is me, I am not telling anybody about Jesus. Paul used that situation for God's good and for his glory. He proclaimed the gospel. Look at verse 13. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is because I am in Christ. 
Folks, you've heard me say before, I do not believe that we have seen anything that's even remotely close to persecution in the United States yet. But mark my words, it's coming. It is coming. I don't know if you've watched the news this week, if you have read the news this week, but religious persecution, we're very close to it beginning in the United States. Very close to it. I read twice this week, one as recently as this morning. One political candidate is already hinting around that if churches do not embrace certain beliefs which completely contradict the Bible, that they're in danger of losing their tax-exempt status. That's a big deal, folks. When that happens, it's going to be really easy to tell who is in and who's not. I suspect that when that happens, when we actually realize that we might go to prison because we share the gospel, that we'll see who's a serious Christian and we'll see who's masquerading as Christians. It's coming. It's coming. Is your faith genuine this morning? Realize that if it is, you may go to prison because of it. You may go to prison because of it. Is it worth it? Absolutely, it's worth it. Absolutely, it's worth it. Y'all have heard me say many times, I believe this book is the inspired and the inerrant Word of God. I believe it is true from cover to cover. God's Word does not change, it has not changed, and it will not change. Will you defend it? I will. I will. I'm that serious about it. I would have never left a lucrative career and gone to full-time ministry had I not been. I wonder this morning, how serious are you about Jesus Christ and the gospel? And after Paul got out of prison... In Acts 28, verses 30 and 31, we see that he stayed two whole years in his own rented house. And he welcomed all who visited him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. I wonder this morning, do we welcome all who visit us? First of all, do we... Welcome all who visit us in our own personal house. Do we? And then do we welcome all who visit us right here in this house? Greensburg Baptist Church. Do we? Do we really welcome everyone? Or do we only want to welcome those people who might look like us, act like us, or smell like us? I wonder, are those the people that we want to welcome? Or do we truly welcome Everyone. You know, just to give you an example, we, we've got to be careful. We, we've got to always be careful. We have been begging for bus volunteers for months now. Months. I'm not sure if we've got any people that's volunteered since that. Do we want the bus kids? Do we want the bus kids? I sure hope so. I have heard that there's been some talk. If those bus kids are there, my kids will not be. Shame on 
us if that statement is true. Shame on us if that statement is true. Do we want to keep our kids out of the school system? Probably not. Why would we want to keep them out of church? Why would we want to keep them out of church? Folks, I'm going to tell you, if you've got a child that is of an age that should be attached to our children's ministry or our youth ministry, and they're not attached, you need to get them attached. You need to get them attached. They need that discipleship. And then, do we proclaim the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance? How do we truly act toward outsiders? Back to our text this morning. Colossians 4, verses 5 and 6. Act wisely toward outsiders, making the most of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you should answer each one. Now, for many years when I read this phrase, seasoned with salt, I wondered, what on earth is that there for? Why does that make any sense? But when we look at this, salt makes certain things taste better, doesn't it? There are just certain things as we're cooking, if it doesn't have at least a little bit of salt in it, it just tastes bland. Well, guess what? Our language, our talk that comes out of our mouth can be really bland too. If it's not seasoned with the right kind of salt, with with the right kind of salt, may our speech always be gracious so that we may know how we should answer every person. And then true believers find comfort, help, and brotherhood with other believers. Now, beginning right here through the end of our text this morning, we are going to start being introduced to some people that you might not hear a lot about through the rest of the Bible, but they are important because they are listed here. And we're going to spend just a few minutes discussing these people. First of all, it's this man named Titius. He is a trusted assistant. Now, I, I would say most of you, if you were writing down your top five, uh, top five most popular biblical personalities, this man's probably not going to be on your list. He's probably not going to be on your list. But guess what? He was an example of faithfulness in little things, which led to greater things. And you know, that's how, that's what ministry is. We have got to be faithful in those little things. Those things that you're probably not going to get any recognition whatsoever for, but are crucial to the kingdom of Jesus Christ. We have got to be faithful in those things. And most likely, the Lord will use those to use you for greater things as you do that. As you do that. This man was probably the carrier of the letter to the Colossians as well as the letter to the Ephesians, Ephesians 6.21. In later years, he was a relief minister to Titus, Titus 3.12, if you're taking notes. As Paul approached death, he sent this man to care for the church at Ephesus, 2 Timothy 4.12. Onesimus accompanied Titus. Onesimus was a runaway slave from Colossae. He was accused of stealing. And guess what? Everyone knew what this man had done. Everyone knew what he had done. You know, maybe Colossae was a little bit like Greensburg. 
You know, if you do something here in this town, in this county, everybody's going to know it. They'll know it 1,500 years from now. Your children and your grandchildren will suffer because of something that you have done. We know it's the truth. This man, a slave, was accused of stealing. And that would have been bad enough by itself. But try that being a slave. It's even worse. Everybody knew what this man had done. I want to take us back to the text for just a minute. Verse 9. He is coming with Onesimus, a faithful and dearly loved brother. And get this. Who is one of you? Who is one of you? Folks, that is substantial this morning. This slave is a story of grace and hope. The slave becomes a dear brother. We've got to realize that only the gospel, only the gospel, only Jesus Christ can cause such a radical and an absolute change. Verse 10, we meet another person. And in this text, you know, I can we just, I am so thankful that our names are slightly different now. There are so many names in this particular text this morning, and I am deliberately trying to not pronounce them. I really am. I am deliberately trying to just show you the word on the screen so we can go past me having to actually pronounce these names. But this man, I'm going to call him Aristarchus. He was a devoted companion. He was always there when Paul needed him. Always. Do you know anybody like that? Do you know anybody in your life that if you needed to call them them at 2 a.m. tomorrow morning and say, I need you, they'd just get in their car and come and then ask you what was wrong after they get there? I believe that's who this man was. I believe he's the type of person that could be woke up in the middle of the night and come just because Paul said, I need you. He was always there when Paul needed him. He was with Paul during the Ephesian riot, Acts 19.29. He was with Paul during the shipwreck, Acts 27.2. Adversity did not lessen his affection. Now, a lot of times we see people, they're all in as long as it's going good. But the moment that adversity comes up, they disappear That's not who this man was. That's not who this man was. I wonder this morning, is it who you are? Is it who, is it who I am? Mark, I think it's interesting when we look at Mark. He made a mistake. Anybody in here ever made a mistake? Anybody ever made a mistake? Mark made a mistake, but he also had a recovery. His mistake was he abandoned Paul on his first missionary journey. And as a result, Paul refused to take him on the next one. Paul refused to take him on the next one. Acts 15, verses 37 through 39. And so many times today, in conversations with people, especially about some of those issues that I mentioned earlier that are going to be threatening churches, very likely in the future, I hear comments like this, well, you know, they they really should be free to choose. Everybody should be free to choose. 
But folks, we've got to get to the point where we realize that every choice has a consequence. Every choice has a consequence. And we can see an example of that right here with the example of Mark. He abandoned Paul. That was his choice. His consequence was he didn't get to go the next time. He did not get to go the next time. We need to realize that always when we make a decision, it has a consequence. Mark's career appeared to be over, but Barnabas nurtured, encouraged, and salvaged him. Do you know a Barnabas? Are you a Barnabas? We need a Barnabas. We need many people with the skill set of a Barnabas. Because I can promise you, there are people here this very morning whose lives are falling apart. Who believe they have messed up so bad that they could never, ever possibly recover. We need a Barnabas to go to those people. We need a Barnabas to go to those people to nurture them. We need a Barnabas to go to those people to encourage them. We need a Barnabas to go to those people to salvage them. I wonder, is it you? Will you be a Barnabas? We need them. We need people with the skill set of Barnabas right here in this church. Like I'm telling you, I can promise you, here this morning, there are multiple people who could use a Barnabas? Will it be you? This man was with Paul as Colossians was written. And then at the end of Paul's life, he said that Mark was useful to him. Talk about a recovery. He experienced one. And then we meet this man that we're probably not going to ever hear anything else about. He's also named Jesus. But don't be mistaken this is not jesus christ this man is referred to as justice but guess what he is he's an unsung hero an unsung hero he brought comfort to paul little else is known about this man except that he was a source of consolation to paul wouldn't that be a great thing to see on a gravestone he was a source of consolation He was a source of consolation. I wonder this morning, are we a source of consolation? And then in verses 12 and 13, we meet this man named Epaphras. Paul says, he's one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus. And then he is always wrestling for you in his prayers. Always wrestling for you in his prayers. Why? so that you can stand mature and fully assured in everything that God wills. I want to tell you, every church and every ministry needs somebody like this. Every church and every ministry, every pastor needs someone like Epaphras. This man was a prayer warrior, a prayer warrior he was mentioned in Colossians 1.7 as the man responsible for bringing the gospel to the Colossians. What a wonderful way to be remembered. He prayed continually, fervently, and with a purpose. 
He was aware of what the Colossians were facing and he knew their need was to grow in maturity in order to be able to resist the false teachers. I wonder this morning, will you be an Epaphras? I don't mind at all to tell you I need one. I need an Epaphras in my life. I need somebody who is a prayer warrior that I know is praying for me. I don't know if you realize it or not, but the vast majority of things that Brother Blake and I encounter, we cannot tell anyone but each other. We can't even tell our wives. We need someone who is an Epaphras, praying for us continually, fervently, and with purpose. So that... We can stand mature and fully assured in everything that God wills. I wonder this morning, will that be you? And then we meet two other people. Luke, who we all know, the dearly loved physician, and a man named Demas. Now Luke was one of Paul's most enduring companions. He was a doctor, he was a historian, an author, and a friend. But Demas was not like that. When Demas, when Paul wrote Colossians, Demas was with him, but he became a defector to the world. At the end of Paul's life, Demas fell in love with the world and forsook Paul. And you can find that in 2 Timothy 4.10. I wonder, when the time of persecution comes, are we all in? Or will we be like Demas? Which one will we be like? I suspect that the churches across the United States will see many people who take on the actions of Demas when it becomes really, really serious. And then verses 15 and 16, we see Paul winding down the text. He is telling them who to give his greetings to, to the brothers and sisters in Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her home. After this letter has been read at your gathering, have it read also in the church of the Laodiceans and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. And then we meet this man named Archippus. How would you like to get a letter like this? Pay attention to the ministry you've received in the Lord. Pay attention to the ministry you have received in the Lord so that you can accomplish it. I bet it got his attention. But you know, sometimes I think we need to have our attention got. I think we need to realize, church, we need to pay attention to the ministry that we have received from the Lord. We have so many of them. We need to pay attention to them. We need to devote ourselves to them. And we need you in order to do it. We need you in order to do it. Will we pay attention? And then we see in verse 18 that Paul reminds us that he personally is writing this letter with his own hands. And then he says this phrase that's chilling to me. Remember my chains. Remember my chains. You know, sometimes when it's not us personally going through the tragedy, it's sort of like out of sight, out of mind. 
Oh, yeah, if you ask me to pray for you, I will, but am I burdened? Are you burdened? If you're not the person in jail, are you burdened? Or do we take, we, do we take the mindset of they're evidently in jail for a reason, so they just need to spend their time there. I'll pray for them. I'll pray that they'll learn their lesson while they're there. Is that our mindset? Is that our mindset? Paul is saying, remember my chains. I pray that we will remember the chains. One day those chains may be on us. And I can assure you, if it comes to that day, we're going to want people to remember us. And then he says, grace be with you. Again, I want to remind you that knowing the truth about spirituality and service calls us to live lives of prayer, wisdom, and faithfulness. As we, as we sort of prepare to close, I'm not there yet, but I am winding down at this point. There's some things that I want us to take away from this sermon series. First of all, prayer should be more than a, an occasional emergency. It deserves our constant attention. Our constant attention. Believers' prayer should be conducted with a strong sense of spiritual alertness. Evangelism begins with praying for opportunities. Now, next week, I don't know if you remember or not, but I announced a few weeks ago that next Sunday during our morning prayer time, we're going to give everyone an index card. You've heard me talk since the first of the year about who's your one. And I know several of you do have at least one, in some cases more than one, that you've told us about. But the, the one thing that we have not done at this point is that I want us to pray over the names of those people. We're not going to read them out loud, but what we're going to do is that we're going to give you an index card. If you've got a one, you're going to write their name on it. And during prayer time, you're going to come up and lay that on the altar, that index card on the altar. And during our prayer time next week, we're going to pray over those ones. But evangelism begins with praying for opportunities. And I wonder, how often do we do that? How often do we truly pray for God to open the door, for us to be able to share the gospel? That is where evangelism begins. And then when we have an opportunity, we've got to realize it, that God is opening the door. We've got to step through it, and we've got to seize that opportunity. Faithful evangelism is combining your walk with your talk. We've got to always remember that people are indeed watching us. God uses ordinary people. Ordinary people to accomplish His work. Now, here in just a few weeks, we're going to be hearing about Christmas. We're going to be hearing about the birth of Jesus. And if we had any doubt as to whether God uses ordinary people to accomplish His work, you don't have to look any further than the birth of Jesus Christ. God uses ordinary people to accomplish His work. I wonder this morning, what's He using you for? Do you know? If not, you need to seek His will and what's going on in your life. He wants to use you for His good and for His glory. And finally, effective ministry is accomplished through a team. One person cannot do it. 
It takes a team. So I want to ask you this morning, are you on the team? Are you on the team? Are you an active member of the team? Or are you just sitting on the bench? Are you engaged? Are you an active member of the team? Or are you just sitting on the bench? And as I close this morning, I want to share a quote with you from one of my friends. I believe I have quoted this one other time in a sermon here on Sunday morning. I've definitely posted it on Facebook a few times throughout the years, but I think this is a good conclusion to this particular sermon series, and especially in light of possible upcoming religious persecution. I want you to listen closely to me as I conclude this morning. Being a Christ follower is easy. As long as it's lived in discussion groups over coffee, in fun, and even entertaining worship services, and on our own terms. But the real power of the Spirit of God is found when we live out our faith and follow Christ in the world. Then we will have to touch the untouchable. We will have to forgive the unforgivable. We will have to love the unlovable. And then we will have to bear the pains and burdens of a sinful world. Then and only then will we know that our faith is genuine. Then and only then will we know that our faith is genuine. So I want to ask you again this morning, is your faith genuine? Is your faith genuine? Is your faith real? Because if it's not, guess what? This is the perfect time to let Jesus take care of that. Jesus is here this morning. And I want to remind you, if you are listening on the radio right now, or if you are joining us by any type of technology, here momentarily, you are either going to see or hear instructions of precisely how to reach out to Brother Blake and me if you have questions of a spiritual nature. We encourage you to do that. We would love to talk to you about a relationship with Jesus. And I want to remind you, if you're seated here in this sanctuary this morning and you've realized that your faith's not genuine, today's the day that Jesus can take care of that. This is the day He can make you clean. This is the day He can make you whole. Perhaps there's people here this morning that have never accepted Jesus Christ. You have never asked Him to be your Lord and Savior. I want you to know it is truly as simple as you hear me say many times. As the ABCs we teach in Bible school to kids, you have got to admit that you're a sinner, that you have done some things wrong. You've got to believe that Jesus is God's Son, that He died for you, that He lived a sinless life, a life that contained no sin as He walked on this earth. And that He loved you so much that He was willing to give His life for you. And then the C is confess. You've got to confess your sins. And that involves repenting and turning from your life of sin. Do not expect Jesus to save you and leave you where you are. Yes, He will meet you where you are. But He does not expect you to stay there. You may have to make some serious changes in your life if you truly want to follow Jesus. But I'll tell you, it's worth it. Maybe there's people here today that realize that 
Greensburg Baptist is where God is calling me to be. I want to unite with this church. We say praise God for that. Praise God for that. Let, let me know, and Brother Blake and I will be glad to meet with you and explain the vision of the church. We will welcome you with open arms. But let us know if, you, if you'd like to unite with us. But I encourage you this morning, don't resist the Holy Spirit. I encourage you this morning to be people that are truly devoted to prayer. I encourage you this morning. I believe, I believe right in this very room this morning, God is calling some people to be a Barnabas, a faithful encourager. I believe He's calling other people to be an Apapra, someone who will wrestle for others in prayer. I wonder this morning, is it you? Whatever the need is, I pray that you will come. Would you, would you pray with me, please? Father, thank you so much for the day that you've given us and for all your many blessings. Father, I thank you for your word. And Father, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit will just continue to fall upon this place. I pray for the decisions that need to be made within this room right now. And what I pray that, um, that people will come forward and just allow you to do what you do. Father, I pray that you will move in a mighty way. I pray that you will save and set people free. I pray that you will meet needs. What I pray, I pray that we will just see you work marvelous things today. Father, open our eyes constantly to see the open doors. Give us boldness to step through them. Father, I pray that people will come this morning just to commit that they want to be bold, that they want to be bold like Paul. I pray that there will be people that will come and just make the declaration that they are all in. They are all in, that they are for real. When the time of persecution comes, that they will not defect like demons. Father, I pray, I pray that you will move and move in a mighty way. And I pray that you will be forever glorified. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. Would you stand with us, please? I encourage you, whatever the need is, use this altar. I desire, Brother Blake's desire, that we would have to replace the carpet on this altar soon because the altar is being used so much. Let's use this altar today and every day. This is Todd Young with Greensburg Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us today. If you've accepted Christ during today's podcast, we would love to hear from you and connect you with a home church in your area. Or if you have questions regarding a relationship with Christ, Brother Blake and I would love to speak with you. Please contact us at the church office at 270-932-4495 or connect with us through our website at greensburgbaptist.com. In addition, you may visit our website anytime to access the sermon videos and podcast of any recent sermon. You may also subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes store. Have a great day today.